Calvary Cast listeners. What's up? We are back on episode 110, coming to you post 4th of July, 5th of July. <laughs> you just get staring. You don't have anything to say. Ah, you leave me hanging. I was just thinking about this delicious brew. This week we have coffee. You actually made coffee. I made coffee, week. and you've got this new mug mm-hmm. that says, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. That's right. Perfect for it. podcasting. It is perfect for podcasting. That's right. That's right. That is good. So, anyway, post 4th of July, we got our coffee. Most people would probably think that we wouldn't podcast today. But we don't let no national holidays even stop this podcast. That's right. That's right. We we, we didn't because we took off yesterday, but we worked Monday. Yep. So we did prepare a little bit we that day. We prepared a little bit. And then I thought, you know, this too would be good because people might be traveling back from their long weekend. Could be. They could be recovering from firework injuries. They could be. <laughs> and they could be listening to us. We know you that. who blew your hand off holding on to the M80 too long. Hopefully nobody, I haven't heard that. Gotten into the uh, bottle rocket wars or Roman candle wars or things like that. They are dangerous. They are dangerous. I don't know how much of that happens here, though, because such restrictive firework laws here. Well, I don't know. Last night they were going off like crazy around our house, and we had to turn up everything in the house so that the dogs wouldn't hear it because they go nuts. Well, hope everybody had a good 4th of July. And uh, oh, we didn't introduce ourselves. If you're new to the podcast... Hello. Hey. I'm Graham, and you're Jess. That's right. All and, right. Yeah. Oh. No. Do you need to transition to Book of the Month? I can, right? but you were going to say something That's else. That's what I was going to say. I didn't okay. want us to forget the Book of the Month. That was a good, awkward transition. Book of the Month. Today it is, and I know the title, and I've got the book in front of me. Nice. Dark Prepare. Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament by Mark Vrogop. This is a good book. And so we recommended it. I agree. Go it's read it. Enough said. It's really good, though. It be, you, we should say that it's not going to be depressing. It sounds like it's going to... It sounds dark. Yeah. I mean, dark clouds. Right. But it's showing you how to lament biblically. Right. And what it kind of, is really insightful is that the Bible is filled with laments. Yes. Yeah. You know? And I think that is the, the thing... Uh, lament is such a foreign language to us, to our culture, and we often like to paper over things mm-hmm. or just try to get our suffering to go away. Yeah. And the Bible actually gives us a way to deal with that, and it's often called lament. And it's not just papering over suffering or things like that. It's walking through it. And so there's this learning to trust God in it, and lament helps us do that. Because if we believe that suffering is from the Lord, right, and it's doing things in us, then um, lament is part of that. It's part of it. So we need to uh, we need to understand it and apply it and use it in our lives. So get a copy of Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. All right. That was not a sponsored post. Nope. Run, don't walk to your nearest bookstore or to the church foyer. How about topic of the day? Mm-hmm. 
topic of the day. And you were clapping in the background there. Or no, you're snapping your snapping. fingers. So I have to go edit that out now because that's oh, going to be really? very annoying. Yeah. Well, you explained what it was, so now people will know that they're that I was just snapping. Okay, then maybe I could leave it in there. There you go. I feel like we have. It's some a snappy song. That's why I, I feel like doing that every time. I feel like we have like awkward pauses and transitions today. I think so too. My mind, maybe my mind is going in different directions and I'm not focused as I should be. And maybe I'm thinking about our things. And so this podcast might stink is what we're saying. Could be prepared. I'm sure it'll be good in the end. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be useful. What are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about the last of the five points. What? We've made it to the end. We have persevered. I know. Yeah, there we go. Good good transition there. Perseverance of the saints. Perseverance of the saints. And what that means. What that means. Last of the doctrines of grace. Yeah, so <clears throat> when you think about this one, it means that saints will persevere, okay? In other words, uh, it's... It ties in beautifully with everything we've looked at before. If, you know, God has chosen us and then the Son has redeemed us and the Spirit has applied redemption and that effectual calling, that irresistible grace, the bringing from death to life, then God will preserve his work. As one author put it, the key question is whether God, who has begun a good work of salvation in his people, able and willing to bring it to completion. Yeah, so... Will God, who begun a good work, complete it, right? And can we have confidence in that? Can Paul say in Philippians 1, uh, can he have this kind of confidence to say in verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Um, And I would think as we've analyzed all the previous doctrines and we can see how this fits right along with it, he began the good work, he's going to complete it, at the day of Jesus Christ, at his return in the resurrection. And I think there are there are lots of scriptures, obviously, that uh, affirm this kind of teaching, And um, but we don't have time to look at all of those, no. but we will pick out a few Get of those. But is, should we bring out some caveats first, or how to? Well, do let's you, let's first just touch on, touch on like wh- maybe where this de- debate is divided and what the original points were, right? So, again, the remonstrance position was, and, and I'm not going to read this whole article that they but they made, but the point of contention would be over. They they said this whether they that talking about Christians are capable through negligence of forsaking again the first beginning of their life in Christ of again returning to this present evil world of turning away from the holy doctrine which was delivered them of losing a good, good conscience of becoming devoid of grace that must be more particularly determined out of the holy scripture before we ourselves can teach it with the full persuasion of our mind so everybody does agree that the saints will persevere but the question is. Well, can some saints fall away, right? Yeah, right. And the original position made by the followers of Jacob Arminius was, uh, we're not so sure. Right. But they later on yes. did become sure That's right. that you could fall away. That's correct? right, yep. And so the the response then from the canons of Dort, the, the Calvinist response was, um, they, they wrote actually in their response, the, if you go read these whole things, right, they have like 15 articles that they're responding to this one point from the from the uh, from the 
followers of Jacob Arminius. Um, do you want me to read? I'm not going to read all 15, but there are three that I thought relate th- to this sure. pretty clearly. So yeah. I'll read these. So they say, first of all, this is Article 1, whom God calls according to his purpose to the communion of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and regenerates by the Holy Spirit. He delivers also from the dominion of s- and slavery of sin in this life, though not altogether from the body of sin and from the infirmities of the flesh, so long as they continue in this world. Uh, Then Article 6, But God, who is rich in mercy, according to his unchangeable purpose of election, does not wholly withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people, even in their melancholy falls, nor suffers them to proceed so far as to lose the grace of adoption and forfeit the state of justification, or to commit the sin unto death, nor does he permit them to be totally deserted and to plunge themselves into everlasting destruction. So right there, they're firing across a, mm-hmm. a shot across the bow. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't lose this. And the last one here, for in the first place, in these falls, he preserves in them the incorruptible seed of regeneration from perishing or being totally lost. And again, by his word and spirit, certainly and effectually renews them to repentance, to his sincere and godly sorrow for their sins, that they may seek and obtain remission in the blood of the mediator, may again experience the favor of a reconciled God through faith, adore his mercies, and henceforward more diligently work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. So he's saying those who have been truly regenerated, when even though they may fall into sin for a time, they will return again. Yeah. Right? And let's think about the, the emphasis they're placing there is on the life given by the Spirit, right. eternal life. And the idea would be, God isn't going to revoke that life. Right. But I do want to draw out something that I think is interesting, even in listening to those, but then thinking about the other side and the Arminian side of, yeah, no, we could uh, fall away from this state of grace and we could um, stop believing, so to speak, in that. But this is where you get the, the one of the biggest distinctions between um, the doctrines of grace, or what I've called Calvinism and Arminianism, is that Calvinism is God-centered. All of salvation right. is anchored in God and his will, in what God does, not we do. Now, Arminians would be so mad to hear me say what mm-hmm. I'm about to say, but it's just true. I mean, if you just put it up and look at it, it's just true. Put up both sides and look at it. Arminians, are, their theology their salvation is man-centered. Yeah. In the end, it gets to this idea that, well, God has just given everybody a free will to choose, and it's up to that person. Mm-hmm. It's up to them to believe at first, to keep believing, to keep themselves believing. Yeah. And, of course, naturally, they can fall away and stop believing if they want because your their salvation is anchored not in the will of God but in the will of man. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it only makes sense. Theirs is more man-centered. Calvinism is more God-centered. This is why Calvinism is the most glorifying way to look at salvation. In the end, we we look at it and we say salvation from beginning to end is all of God. He gets yeah. all the glory. Not he gets most of the glory and then man gets just a little bit of glory because of his ability to endure, his ability to keep believing, you know, his willpower. It's all of God. And so yeah. Christians really need to make that decision. Like if, if there are people listening to this podcast from our church and they're really trying to decide on this, you need to ask yourself, do you want, are you going to lean into what the scripture teaches as far as uh, it's the gospel is God centered. It's all yeah. about what God has done for sinners. Or do you want to lean more into the 
the humanistic man-centered um, teachings originating with uh, Jacobus Arminius, however you say it, and um, and then going through with his followers. So that to me is a key difference. Yeah. It, and I love that the scriptures teach, I think very plainly and clearly, that those whom God saves, he keeps them saves and is saved and saves them all the way to the end. Right. So perseverance of the saints is about God persevering his yeah. people. It isn't it isn't just that God began a good work in you now you finish keep it. Keep this going. <laughs> yeah. It is God begins it and keeps it going. Yeah. If you need to keep believing, we believe that God enables us to keep believing. Yeah. If you need to persevere, God works in your heart and through means in your life to yeah. keep you persevering. And and even before we'll probably get into this more, but isn't that where some of the confusion maybe lies around this doctrine is yeah. that God uses means to keep us preserving. So when there are commands in scripture for us to obey, like we'll look at probably some right. of these, right. right? That's not you and your own, own effort and willpower doing those things in order right. to keep yourself saved. We're saying true believers, God works that in you. And yes. as the text will say, he, he grants us the power to do that, yeah. right? So, and even in the warnings, because some, some believers get tripped up on this. They say, yes. well, look at these warnings that you could lose this, or it'll say... Hebrews 6. You have to continue in this, or what have you. And the, yeah, the Hebrews passages. And that's true, because what the the original authors of the Canons and Dort brought out repeatedly is that God uses all of the Bible and all of the means of grace he's given us to keep us believe in and follow yes. in Christ. And one of those is the warnings of Scripture that true believers take to heart. Yes. They're the ones that seem to be the most affected by them. Like, oh, what if, the, and what does that do? That that propels that believer who's worried about that threat to Christ mm-hmm. and, and reliance upon him and upon his spirit to keep believing and to keep following Christ. And it there God uses all of it, the promises and the threats of scripture in the in the people he plans to save to yeah. keep them believing. Hmm. Uh one quote just to circle back to your statement about giving the glory of God in salvation. All all of our salvation belongs to God. Uh, Joel Beakey stated this, Christ's glory is bound up in the perseverance of his elect, right? So it just ties into that, like, uh, this is all about the glory of God. So should we talk a little bit about uh, some textual support for this doctrine? Yeah, and and following right on that of what Joel Beakey said, um, I'm thinking of John 6, Mm. and Jesus says, uh, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. So those are the elect and uh, irresistible grace all in one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all the Father gives me will come to me. Hmm. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is, well, what is the will of him who sent me? Well, this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's probably one of the reasons he says all of Christ's glory, Mm -hmm. trustworthiness, 
relies upon him yeah glorifying his people one day raising them from the dead that the uh that they would experience the fullness of his salvation that he provides his glory depends on that because if he loses any right right well like in john 10 you know where he's talking about like he's not going to lose any of his sheep. Right. Right. What happens to the glory of Christ and this great salvation if he can't bring them all in and that's take right. them all the way to the end? Yep. And that's, again, are we going to look at this? Are we going to look at our salvation uh, from with a God-centered perspective? That is, he will save us, or as we sing, Christ will hold me fast. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I fear my faith would fail, Christ will hold me fast. Yep. Um. Or are we going to look at it from our perspective, man-centeredness? First Peter 1 is another uh, good passage. It says, um, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again uh, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's by God's power through faith you're being guarded until you get to receive that inheritance, until that hope to which you've been born again to is yours. And this connects, too, to what we talked about last time, right, in regards to regeneration and faith proceeding from that. And like faith could I say it this way? Like it, it is a means by which God keeps us believing. Right? Yep. He He holds us, he guards us through that, that faith. Yeah. Ch- faith is the channel through which we receive yep. all, every spiritual blessing in right. Christ. And, um, it, it's through what those, all those blessings flow to right. us. Right. Yeah. And then of course, uh, Romans eight is important in this. Um, and I think we've read this, these verses before in this context, but he goes, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That's an important statement right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who are called according to his purpose. There we have that effectual calling we talked about last time for those whom he foreknew. And we made clear, we, we identified that directly with the election. Um, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And in this, this unbreakable chain, those whom he predestined, he also called those whom he also, uh, he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And you say, well, I'm not glorified yet. Well, in the mind and plan and will of God, you are, it will happen. That's how definite it is. Unbreakable chain there. There's no, chance for those whom he predestined uh, and those whom he called and those whom he justified ever Hmm. to not make it to that final link in the golden chain of salvation. What about, we uh, use this as as a benediction sometimes, right? Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling yep. and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. So who is it that keeps you stumbling and who is it that keeps you, presents you blameless uh, before his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority be for all time and now and forever. Amen. Yes. So like that's such a uh, an encouraging, such a... Uh, 
soul, I don't know, it's a phrase I'm looking for, foundational verse for like, I will be kept. He's going to keep me from stumbling. Yeah. Present me blameless. Uh, and it rests in, in Christ and what he's done. Yeah. And then I was just going to bring up Ephesians um, 1. And specifically, as we look through this course, Ephesians 1 talks about the doctrine of election. God chose us in him before the foundation world. Uh, he predestined us for adoption to sons. Uh, Christ redeemed us in verse 7. and uh, But then we were uh, sealed when you heard the word of truth, verse 13. The gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed now with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The word guarantee there is a, the down payment. Um, and and then in chapter 4, verse 30, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So it is possible that a true believer can, yes, sin and grieve the Spirit. Yeah. But the spirit will never leave that person. Yeah. And that person is sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, it's not just until they keep, or as long as they keep, but it's, uh, or until they, um, or while they keep believing or whatever, but they're sealed for that day hmm. uh, of redemption finally. Hmm. And so the spirit is this guarantee. He guarantees our hope, right? We see that's one of the lines in a song we sing. Isn't yeah, it the spirit, the spirit guarantees, guarantees our, our hope until redemption's done. until redemption's done? So this connects even into what we're looking at in Romans eight on our Sunday morning services and talking about the Holy Spirit. The reason this is so important because the Spirit is the one yeah. who indwells us, seals us, uh, protects us, empowers us, um, frees us from sins dominated rules so that there is no condemnation for us, right? Is what we'll look at this week in Romans 8, 1 through 4. And so the Spirit is so important in, in all of this as well, uh, completing our salvation. I have two other passages I'll take us to quickly. First of all, Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? Mm -hmm. See what he's doing there. Mm -hmm. um, but the one that really struck me was in Second Peter 1. Well, it's actually Second Peter 1, 1 through 11. And I might read that entire passage. Should I? Should sure. I and then I'll make some, some comments on it after I read through it. But uh, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. 
Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I like this passage. One, I think a distinction we've not yet made about perseverance of the saints is there are people that will believe that that the saints will persevere, but they don't believe the saints will persevere in faith and in good works. Right? And that is a distinction. Right? And that's what Peter's talking about, and that's what we're talking about. The saints will persevere, and they will persevere through those means. Uh, there is this idea that right, a person can profess faith in Christ and then continue to live a life of disobedience, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, no evidence of that salvation ever being born in their, their lives. And I think this passage right here is saying the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. So a couple of things then that I think come out from this. First of all, the first, what, four verses, he's talking about the salvation that's been granted to us, right? That it comes in verse one, he says, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he is saying saving faith is ours through Christ alone. Righteousness is imputed to us. And then in verse three, he says that we've been granted, given divine power for all things in life and for living in godliness. So Again, we think about, okay, how do we persevere to the end? Well, we've been given everything we need mm-hmm. through God's divine power in order to do that. So yeah. we, we need that to persevere, and he gives it to us. And then we get this power through faith in Christ. That's what he says in verse 3. It comes through the knowledge of him. Well, it's speaking about, about Christ, so that saving faith, uh, this, is, this is where it comes from. And then he says that through Christ we've been given great and precious promises. So these are, again, promises of salvation, promises about the divine nature, which we've become partakers of. We escape the corruption that is in the world through deceitful desire. So again, it's an assurance of what Christ has done and what we have through faith in him. Right? He states all of that clearly. And then he draws conclusions from that about how we live, how we persevere, right? And that starts in verse five. And he says, make every effort, right? Here's this work element. There is this element that in perseverance, right, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? As, as uh, Paul says in Philippians chapter two, right? He, he talks about adding certain characteristics to our lives in verses five through seven. Uh, and I listed all of those off, right? Virtue, knowledge, steadfastness, things like that. Um, and maybe this is a, a question that we can discuss a little bit, but why are these things so important, or why is it necessary for Christians to demonstrate these qualities? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and this, maybe this is a good way to wrap up, because we're going back all the way to the beginning of what we've talked about right. in um, total depravity and unconditional election, talking about salvation generally, is that it all comes as one package to us. Right. It isn't piecemealed out, really. Right. It's all one package of salvation that we receive, and it includes these things. These things. Yeah. These qualities that we grow in. Yes, we're not perfect in, but it includes, like we're learning in Romans, the sanctification as well as the justification and the glorification. They all go together. Right. We can't separate these things. Yeah. And so that's why it's so, so essential. And God uses these, the pursuit of these things, mm. the engagement of our own will to pursue just what he's told us to do, to add to our faith, supplement our faith, and all these things. He's doing that so that that's the way in which he works in us 
to keep us pursuing and keep us growing. But right. it is, it's, you know, it's all God doing the whole thing. It's all the, the package of salvation he's provided for us. Well, and then, and two, there's like, you know, Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, right? The way we live our lives does reflect that this change has happened to us, right? Mm-hmm. That we are, right. we belong to the Lord's. There's also the reality, you know, the writer of Hebrews says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Right. There, uh, I think as Joel Beakey said, something to the effect of like, uh, like, we are being prepared for heaven yeah, <laughs> right, 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 in, right. in these growth and characteristics. And so I think it's another reason these things are, were to add these to our lives. Yeah. Um, then I have two more quick points from this. When he talks about growing in these areas, it does two things. And he says this in verse um, 8 and verse 9. First of all, it makes us more fruitful and effective for Jesus. So it brings Jesus glory like we were just talking about, as we reflect him. And then secondly, it gives assurance that we've been cleansed from our sins for the fruit of forgiveness is is godliness. He's saying, uh, like the person, well, he says it in verse 9, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So there's this reality that like growth and godliness should be a a reminder that's not of our own effort, but it's a result of our right. forgiveness of sins, right? Right, right. Um, and then I would say in verse uh, 10, when he talks about making, uh, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, uh, there's an element where we're preserved. Uh, these these efforts, these works, these characteristics we add, they preserve us, keep us from falling, not on their own, right? Because mm-hmm. he's already said God has given us mm-hmm. all the power we need to do that. But there should be this growing confirmation. Right. The Spirit of God is at work in me. Yeah. He's producing his his fruit. Um, and then verse 11, for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. Um, no one is entering the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, mentioned earlier, the passage from he- Hebrews, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Mm-hmm. There is this reality that we are being preserved, sanctified, mm-hmm. made more like Christ. Yep. So um, we believe we'll persevere. Right? We believe we'll per- persevere to the end. Because God's power keeps us persevering yeah. by his spirit. And if you disagree with that, we would just say this. We'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> So we're going to stand our ground. Oh, boy. So I, there is a great comfort, though, and encouragement that mm-hmm. comes from the reality of knowing it is we will persevere yeah. to the end. Yeah. And this, I'll just, maybe we can make this last point and then be done. There is this connection to assurance in that, though, right? When we talk about assurance of salvation, because mm-hmm. that's one thing people often use the phrase, once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. And that that is true, but it discounts some of the stuff that we've just talked about. Right. And we talk about assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation can kind of uh, be a little more dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Like sometimes we feel more assured and sometimes we feel less assured. But right. when we understand the doctrine of perseverance, that is bolstering our assurance of salvation, right? Yeah, that's right. And I think it is, it's the only way we can have rest. Yeah. Um, and in peace. And confidence. We boast, Paul says, Romans 5, we boast in the hope of glory of God. Mm. It's that future confident uh, expectation of good. 
and we boast in it yeah. because we know we have it. We know it's ours in Christ. And it, if we don't believe in the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that God will keep us persevering, then how could you possibly boast in the hope of the glory of God? Yeah. You would not know. You would have to wait to see if you're going to hold mm. out in this thing. Yep. And, um, and I think for most believers that really know their own indwelling sin and propensities to wander from God, at least in heart and, and emotion and mind and things, this is really good news Yeah. because then they can just rest in the, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Resting in the finished work of Christ. That's a good place to end the podcast. Well, we thank you for listening to the podcast today. We hope the conversation has been instructive and helps you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a lot more that could be said on this. We just kind of scratched the surface. And so if you have other questions or comments, you can come up and talk to us if you're part of our church. You can send us an email. Or if you know us, you have our phone numbers, you can text us, give us a call. We'd love to discuss them more. If we get enough questions, right now we have zero, zero questions, but we could do an entire episode just of questions and answers, objections people might have to some of these doctrines. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, consider giving us a review, and a rating, sharing with your friends. You can follow us online on Instagram, at the CalvaryCast, and at Twitter. We have one follower right now, and it's me. I'm the only follower on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter... You might be the only one in the church that has Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next time.